We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message. Hi, I'm Don Moen. Psalm 22 verse 3 promises that God will be enthroned on the praises of His people. Lord, I stand in the midst of a multitude Of those from every tribe and tongue We are Your people, redeemed by Your blood Rescued from death by your love There are no words good enough to thank you There are no words to express my praise But I will lift up my voice And sing from my heart
Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to believe because God will hear and answer our prayers for protection, for provision, for healing. So, Lord, we thank you that you never slumber, you never sleep. You're aware of what we're going through right now. And we come to you today believing for you to hear and answer our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. We're on a journey, a journey through the book of Revelation. Our main theme is unfolding the power of prophecy. One of the key things we need to keep in mind here is that the book of Revelation is not a book of prophecies. It is prophecies that you've been given since the first day of man being fulfilled. We're honored that you decided to join us. We certainly expect you to be challenged and blessed. Most Christians today avoid the study of this book. There's probably good reasons to that because of the supposed symbols that are within this book. We need to take special care of those symbols because those symbols are communicating exact truth about the book of Revelation. As for our little fellowship, the Lord has blessed us with a deep understanding of his prophecies. I personally have been studying them for over 30 years. We pray that all who listen today will be motivated to study his final words to the seven churches. Let's get started. Today is number 28 in our 220 Revelation series. We're going to be talking about the 144,000 bloodline Jews who were clothed in white. Today's scripture is found in Revelation 7, verses 9 through 17. And the word tells us this. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation, and all tribes, and peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne before the Lamb of God, clothed in white robes. And palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation is our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, 
Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might might be our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat, for the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. May God bless his word. The meaning of behold. When we look at the term behold, we really do need to ask, what is this and what does it really mean? Have you really stopped to think about what it means to behold something? Well, I have, and I've done a great deal of research on it. And guess what I found? The Greek translation of behold in this particular text means to hold in one's bosom in an intimate fashion. For those of you who enjoy the King James translation, the passage means, After this I beheld. Let's zoom in to our beloved John and the things that he was privileged to behold. So really, what was this distinct vision that follows the sealing of the 144,000 bloodline Jews who were obviously authentic believers? What was God asking John to hold close to his bosom intimately? There are three primary items of interest being given to us here in this Greek text. Number one, a multitude which no man could number was a sea of people that could not be counted by mere men. John is looking at a sea of tribulation believers from all nations. We're going to talk more about this in a few minutes, but the final 144,000 pure bloodline Jews were scattered throughout nations all over the world. The reason why this is such a miraculous act that we are studying in our passage today is that God gathered them all together for this final act of redemption. Number two, he sees this group marked of all nations by spoken tongues taken from the twelve tribes scattered on the earth, even the remote parts of the earth. John sees the evidence of the promise of God to the sons of Jacob. The historic church, by the way of the fruit of their preaching, is evidenced in this revelation moment. The fruit basket in front of them were the final chosen, God's 144,000 pure bloodline Jews. This literally unfolds the closing of the door of the predestined bridal members of Christ. Number three, each bridal member standing before the throne clothed in white robes, and each one of these members of the multitude is holding a palm branch, which is the eternal symbol 
of victory. This moment in heaven that John is seeing is clearly a celebration of the victory of God through Christ Jesus pulling together his final remnant. Let's take a look at our critical note. John was focused on the right end times. In this, he can see his responsibility to proclaim the Revelation gospel that will end all of human time. Unlike the other apostles who demanded details about the end time, John takes the living God at his word, listens, records, and embraces his responsibility without stupid questions based on fear. While on the earth, when the apostles appealed to Jesus to answer their fear-bound questions, he says it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has set by his authority. Then he immediately reminded them of their responsibility to share with others what they had seen in and through him. You can find that in Acts chapter 1 verses 7 and 8. As for John, the responsibility factor was no different. Since the apostles were still bound to the earth, Jesus admonished them with an earthly mandate, and that again is, it is not for you to know. As for John, he was lifted off the earth and placed in heavenly places, which granted him the privilege of to know. Any earth dweller remains in a position of not knowing the details of the eternal end times. In the case of the earthly apostles, Jesus turned their attention from times or seasons and focused them on his earthly work to advance his gospel to the earth dwellers to prepare them for the eternal end times. The words rendered times and seasons in English translations, to represent two different Greek words that describe time. Times translates a form of the word chronos, which points to chronological, linear earth time as measured by a calendar or a sundial or a clock. Chronos includes years and months and days and hours. Now the word seasons renders a form of a word karyos, a word that points to the quality or type of time. By Jesus putting a focus on the advancement of his gospel, he is assisting the disciples to help believers in their quality of life during the unfolding of his prophecies. If his disciples didn't understand this, they might have been quick to set their focus on God's eternal times, which was not for them to know. Jesus' clarification is relevant today. We need to increase the quality of life in Christ Jesus through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit for all authentic believers to sustain His, God's knowledge of the end times as He reveals the details that we're reading about right now through John in the book of Revelation. Keep in mind it's not about His return, it's about our return, the rapture. Even after Jesus vanished into the eastern sky, remember, this was before the indwelling Pentecost. His followers struggled with the issue related to his return. They somehow missed the details of the promise of rapture, while it was understandable that the original disciples were filing information in their heads that was based on human abilities. The Spirit was soon to reveal the secret of his second coming. 
That being, of course, the rapture occurs before his return. The Times issue related to his return is clarified by his statement of, This is not for you to know. The reason why the disciples were putting such a focus on his second coming is they were still of the belief that he was going to establish his kingdom on earth. Somehow, and probably because of the fallen state of humanity that they were in, they were not able to understand and embrace that the kingdom of God is in heaven. The bottom line is this. Jesus' admonishment to have each focus on establishing a quality of life for the believers becomes paramount. Poor quality of life produces a poor ability except the end times. High quality of indwelling life produces a rich understanding and ability to understand the end times. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but John had the honor of seeing you in the future. John was a man of privilege. John was the only human granted the honor to know the times while living on earth. This makes him special. So think about this. He was the only disciple standing in the group before Jesus ascended that Jesus knew would carry the responsibility of knowing the end times. The remainder of disciples would not discover the profound timing of the end times until they unfold while they are in heaven. It's amazing to me to realize that as John was standing there, as his eyes were being cast over the multitude, most likely he was seeing you and seeing me and all those who were indwelt by the life of Christ. Now let's review verse 10. We discover the multitude is praising God with a shout, a voice saying, Salvation to our God which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Curious factor to me is salvation to our God. Well, that's correct. Salvation means safety and health. They are shouting preservation unto the Father of the King of Kings. Then verse 11, it reveals to us that the elders and angels fall and worship God and the Lamb, even the beast. This is a significant moment here. This action is what follows the sealing of the 144,000, their return to heaven, and it closes the final salvations and the fulfillment of the seal of Israel. Verse 12, we know that we hear the voices of the remaining saints and angels shouting, Amen. As in Jesus' story of the prodigal, all are celebrating the return of the remnant of Israel. That's the 144,000. It is no wonder why all of heaven rejoices. This is all confirmed in one of the elders stepping up and asking John a question. These who are clothed in white robes, who are they and where have they come from? This tells me that it was a specific question that needed to be asked of John so he can connect the proper doctrines of who these people are. Of course, John takes the easy way out, and he says, My Lord, you know. And then the response from this elder is, These are the ones who come out of the Great Tribulation, which, of course, is the seven-year reign of the Antichrist. And they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are key doctrinal things that the elder wanted John to embrace. John is silenced by what is happening and what is to happen next. 
Not one member in attendance is silent. Every redeemed soul begins shouting and covering the tabernacle with praise, which in turn God poured over the 144,000 persecuted saints of the horrific seven-year reign of Satan, who are now front and center. His approval and blessing for surviving such an ordeal was significant at this moment for each to understand that. Among this group were the remnant of the seven churches, members who refused to deny Jesus Christ amid the deception and false doctrines propagated by five of those seven churches. At this moment in John's vision, he sees all remnant believers standing before the living God. Here's a mind-bender. If you are indwelt upon your death, you are standing there at the time John sees this unfold. You might have locked eyes with him as he was scanning the multitude. How is that for being amazing? You most likely have made the connection. This group is none other than the 144,000 saved saints that survived the Great Tribulation, as well as the multitude of the remnant believers from the seven churches. All who are present have a special understanding of being saved by the blood of the Lamb. They know the sacrifice of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. No fear-bound fake Christians will be present. The blood started flowing in Genesis 3.21, and it has flowed down through the ages to be poured upon the final few. When Jesus said, Faithful are the few, He meant exactly that, a few. These believers truly paid the price for knowing Jesus, not just those who survived physical torture, but those who survived persecution through demonic affliction and lies, demonic doctrines from the devil. When the select elder showed John who the they were that he was seeing, he saw you, me, and every other saint praising God and worshiping the Lamb of God, who is the Son of the Father, and of course, that's Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen one of those paintings of Jesus carrying a lamb over his shoulders? The message is clear. God used the persecutions of his enemy to break our ability to walk in self-effort. He placed us over his left shoulder, carried us, and securely took us to the eternal place of rest simply to be a part of John's amazing moment of hearing the voices of past and present rejoice in the salvation of the Lord. These tribulation saints and the multitude will stand before the throne of God and the Lamb amid the New Jerusalem Temple, the church known by God as the tabernacle, each bearing the badge of God's honor. Now the final results. The holy promise God the Father commissioned to his remnant to stand in his presence, see his glory, the glory of the saints, the magnitude of the Lamb, the whole of his temple, the church, without spot or wrinkle. How glorious is that? Furthermore, God reveals here that these saints will not crave or struggle with the evils of the devil or the torturous plots of God's enemy. Each will enjoy the plenties of heaven, and with their spiritual bodies they can trust their redemption, then move on to the new earth that was prepared for the faithful few. 
Our passage identifies the multitude as the leaves of the tree of life, which are a reflection of God's redeeming new growth for the remnant. Chapter 7 of Revelation is the most refreshing of all John's writings. We see the multitude that no man can number, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and rewarded for standing up under the most severe abuse known to mankind, the afflictions from the evil one, and of course that is Satan. Soon God will give him some of his own. Every way that Satan tormented and tortured the people of God, this will come back on him sevenfold. There are not a lot of writings that I weep over, but this is one of them. I am so thankful for the blood of the Lamb and the saints that endured to the end. Even amid the great tribulation of Satan, God still loves, saves, and delivers those that cry out, Abba. He is not willing that one should perish. If the Spirit is prompting you right now to pray and receive the indwelling life of Jesus, consider praying this prayer with me. Loving Heavenly Father, I take by faith the helmet of salvation. I recognize that my salvation is the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I cover my mind with him. I desire that he put his mind within me. Let my thoughts be his thoughts. I open my mind fully and only to the control of Jesus Christ. I replace my own selfish and sinful thoughts with his. I reject every projected thought of Satan and his demons and request instead of the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, grant me the wisdom to discern thoughts that are from the world, my old sin nature, and Satan's kingdom. I believe that Jesus is your Son. He died on the cross for my sins, and that Jesus is God. I believe in the Trinity, you as the Father, Jesus as the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. I confess that I have been a sinner, totally separated from you. I choose to accept your forgiveness for my sins through the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed for me on the cross. I now ask you to send the Holy Spirit to live inside my mortal body. I praise you, Heavenly Father, that I may know the mind of Christ as I hide your word within my heart and mind. Open my heart to love your word. Grant me the ability and the capacity to memorize large portions of it. May your word be ever over my mind like a helmet of strength, which Satan's projected thoughts cannot penetrate. Cause me to allow the Holy Spirit, the life of Christ, within me to fulfill the discipline of daily living to appropriate your salvation. These things I lay before you in the precious name of my new Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed this prayer, God forgave you, even if you don't feel any different. Your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Look up Acts 16.31. You are now a part of the family of God. You are a bridal member of Jesus Christ. You are now one of the multitude John saw and spoke of in our passage today. Welcome to the remnant of God. Contact us today 
We will send you a free copy of our Identity Matters Advancing Life Within workbook. In this study workbook, you will learn about all of the key 12 transformational principles of discovering who you are in Christ. That should be your first step after getting saved, is to learn and discover your identity in Jesus. Our up-and-coming message is going to be the seventh seal. I've been looking forward to this particular message. It's based out of Revelation 8. It says, When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. In our next message, you're going to find out exactly what they did with them. Thank you for joining us today. We totally understand that it is a commitment to be able to take out 40 to 50 minutes out of your busy schedule to listen to our messages. And we're very grateful that you did. We look forward to having you join us in future teachings on the book of Revelation. Until next time.